The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina. And I'm joined each and every week by my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? Doing great. Uh, you know, y'all won't hear this till Monday, but I just got done recording the Saturday edition of the First Pitch podcast, which is a lot of fun. Threw in some trivia in there. And if you've been listening to this show, it'll be too late for you to answer it. But the answer was Akil Badu. Because every time I do <laughs> trivia, the answer is Akil Badu. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Just enjoying this weekend. Hey, if it's not Akil Badu, then it, maybe it'll be Scooble, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that felt a little too on the nose. You know, I thought I'd pivot a little to Badu for a bit. I'll go back to Scooble soon. There you go. There you go. One or the other. So just as a reference point, we're recording this podcast on July 3rd. It's about noon Eastern time. And Independence Day weekend. Doing anything uh, special this weekend there, uh, Scott? I think uh, I'm going to go watch some folks blow things up and then uh, head back home. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I like to watch fireworks show, but we're uh, heading out on uh, July 4th. A buddy of mine puts out a nice big spread and has like a, a backyard that's like a resort. So I'm lucky to be invited out there. So, but nothing like watching a good fireworks show as well uh, on Independence Day. And uh, basically, Scott, we turned around and all of a sudden we're at Basically, the first half of the season's gone, right? I mean, the All-Star game is in about a, a week. In, it was a week and a half at this point. So first half behind us at this point. Uh, any surprises that, you know, you, you want to talk about? Uh, I'll just mention a few. And maybe if there's any that really hit you, you know, feel free to, you know, chime in there. I mean, uh, obviously, the, the, the Red Sox uh, resurgence, right? They're in first place in the AL East. The Yankees have had their woes, scoring runs, hitting into double plays, not getting runners in. Uh, the uh, team from Cleveland hanging on there, yeah, uh, pretty much an, an anemic offense, but, you know, they, they're still very competitive. Twins falling apart in that division, the uh, AL Central. That's a little bit of a surprise. The Astros are back there, Scott, right? They're one of the best teams in baseball, one uh, loss record-wise. And the Mariners, to me, that was a surprise that they're actually over 500. The scrappy team. The Brewers, man, commanding lead in the NL Central. They've won 10 straight, even without uh, the help of Christian Yelich. Uh, the team pitching with uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff uh, leading the way. And uh, the Giants in the uh, NL West, who would have thought that they'd be in first place uh, after the first half of the season? Yeah, I mean, 
just the standings themselves have a ton of surprises based on where we were a while ago. Like the Mets are in front of their division and certainly not the way we thought they would be right. Like if you told me the Mets were winning that division, it was because Lindor was bashing and everybody was doing great. And like, that's just not been the case, right? It's just Mm -hmm, been mm -hmm. the fact that they've, they've managed to do it. And the the division hasn't been very good, right? Like they're only a couple games above 500. The next best team is the nationals and they are 500. So that's been interesting. The Brewers commanding lead right now on the NL Central. That's a big surprise to me. Um, but really, you know, I, I think the ones to call out Cleveland somehow sticking around, their playoff odds are really, really low as of right now. I mm-hmm. want to say at Fangraphs, they put them at 6.3% to win the division, 6.9% to win the wild card, just a 13% to make the playoffs. That's a little bit of a surprise. I thought they'd hit better than this. Um, you know, the Twins obviously have the worst record in the division despite certainly not being the worst team. That's been a big surprise. Uh, but uh, really the least surprising thing is how I'm doing in the standings in a lot of my leagues. And uh, it's not great. Uh, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, not great. But this is kind of the time of the season when, you know, we, we always say it's the time of the season when you really need to watch the standings because you always need to watch the standings uh, in your leagues. But this is really the time where, you know, if it's a keeper or a dynasty league, you're going to have a pretty good idea of, of where you might be. And if you're in the middle, it's really time to start thinking like, okay, it's either time to do stuff or time to, you know, essentially give up. Because at this point, if you're still unsure, man, that's a tough place to be. Yeah. And we, we talked about Memorial Day being a time to, to, to pause and re, really reevaluate your strategy and fantasy. July 4th, another point, especially uh, that we're at the midpoint of the season. It's another good time to really reevaluate what your team looks like and, you know, put a strategy together of, uh, you know, trying to maybe target some players for trades and whatnot. And uh, in real life baseball, there's also uh, tons of uh, trade rumors starting uh, with, uh, you know, not surprisingly, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, uh, and even the Twins uh, being uh, sellers. Uh, these are just rumors, of course, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, making trades could Affect a fantasy value of specific players. I'll, I'll give you one for example, Willie Adamas. Uh, look at what he's done since he's been traded from the Rays to the Brewers. It's been basically a new player. Uh, eight home runs in 39 games for the Brewers. And uh, actually can't believe that that trade was 39 games ago. But Pirates uh, rumors where uh, they might be trading Richard Rodriguez, their, their closer, Adam Frazier as a, an option as a a lot of people interested in him. The White Sox, actually. Blue Jays linked to Richard Rodriguez, like I just mentioned. Twins might be looking to move uh, Jose Barrios and uh, Nelson Cruz, maybe. Uh, Trevor Story. So, I mean, lots of rumors circulating right now. Yeah, there are. I think, you know, Willie Adamas is a really good example of a guy who <clears throat> got traded and had all of the fantasy things happen that you'd love to have happen in a trade, right? So, one, goes to a better ballpark. It's a lot easier to hit. Uh, in Milwaukee than it is in Tampa Bay. He got moved up in the lineup. Obviously, he's hitting in the middle of the order right now. When he was in Tampa, it was like the bottom of it, right? That changes your fantasy uh, prospects quite a bit. Um, And then just, you know, got hot. You know, apparently the Brewers found something for Adamas. And Adamas has talked a little bit about how it was hard hard for him to hit in his old ballpark. He's probably moved to a division where the pitching isn't great. You know, it's not very good in the NL Central, so that helps a little. But really like this combination of things that we'd love to see. And for some players, you know, these kinds of things aren't going to happen. Like, let's say the twins decide to trade Nelson Cruz. Guess what? He's going to be the same guy he's been. Parks don't matter Mm -hmm. to a guy like Nelson Cruz. He's just going to hit 
like the thing that would help him the most is being in the middle of a better lineup, right? But the types of players who could really see a big change for their fortunes are guys like Adam Frazier of the Pirates, who's doing some really nice things, making a lot of contract, getting on baseline, hitting at the top of an order. But his lineup is terrible. His team's lineup is terrible. So the right now he's looking mostly like empty batting average. Put him on a better team, hitting near the top, even if it's not first, maybe it's second. All of a sudden, that run scoring starts happening. Maybe he piles in a couple extra RBI as well. It takes him from this fringy, like, yeah, I guess he's okay in my middle infield to maybe he's a decent second baseman, right? Like, even just those little things can can bump you up a tier because he he lives in this area of our positional rankings where they're really on the cusp, right? Either like they're barely worthy in like a 10 team or like, you know, like as a 12 team or they're better as a middle infield kind of guy he gets a move to a team that's doing better, right? Like, let's say he goes to a team like the White Sox where he wouldn't probably lead off, but he could hit maybe, maybe he could hit second, something like that. Changes his fortunes instantly. All of a sudden, that 300 batting average isn't just empty. It's much, much better. So that's the kind of thing I'll be looking for in the trade rumors. Like, I don't care if a guy like Nelson Cruz gets traded. He's the same guy no matter where you put him. But Mm -hmm. if a guy with maybe maybe like fringier power that plays in a tough ballpark all of a sudden goes to a team in a much better ballpark. Granted, no one's going to Baltimore. No one's going to Colorado. Those teams, those teams are no good. They're not really buyers, but there are teams where that kind of thing could happen. That's what you're looking for. Increase in, Mm -hmm. you know, increase in home ballpark, you know, better home ballpark, better spot in the lineup would be great. Um, And you're also looking for like, is it a team that, you know, can find things for hitters? Right. Or mm-hmm. is it a team that will play a guy every day? Like going to the Rays doesn't always help because it means you might get platooned a whole lot. Right. So those are the kinds of things I'm looking for in the trade rumors. And I'm also remembering that most trade rumors don't come true. Right. right. That is true. Uh, another thing to take a, a note of is I mentioned Richard Rodriguez potentially being traded uh, by the Pirates. You know, who knows? Maybe the team that he goes to, he might not be the closer, but the the one that he's been linked to uh, is the Blue Jays. And uh, right now, I mean, they've kind of used a closer by committee uh, approach, but it looks like right now uh, Romano's settled in as their closer. So it'll be interesting if he does make the move there, how that will affect his fantasy value. I mean, he's obviously the primary closer of the Pirates who don't win a ton of games. So you got to wonder what's going to happen if he does get traded to a team with the Blue Jays where he's kind of rotated in and out of uh, as a closer, but we don't know. Yeah. I mean, these, these closers for bad teams, guys are always thrown out as trade bait and a guy like Richard Rodriguez or to a slightly lesser extent, like an Ian Kennedy down in Texas, the problem for when they get traded is it ends up being a lose lose for (laughs) not the teams, but for the fantasy teams that roster those guys. Right now, you've got Richard Rodriguez as a closer on your fantasy team, and he's the closer for sure. And you've got Jordan Romano on a fantasy team, and he's the closer for sure. This trade happens. One of you just lost a closer, or even worse, both of you now have a part-time closer, right? Mm -hmm. So Romano specifically hasn't given up an earned run since May 16th. I think he's pretty locked in for the moment. But when a guy like Rodriguez comes in and Romano has two bad games in a row, the whispers begin. Right. Like right now, there's not a lot of folks to really challenge him. There was early in the season. There just simply isn't anymore. But that's why. So I actually never really root for closers to get moved for fantasy purposes because (laughs) it usually hurts. Like you got a 50 50 chance, basically, of being the loser in this. 
And sometimes it's even worse odds, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes they get traded and all of a sudden now it's the committee was over and now it's a committee again and you're in trouble, right? So, you know, for those like trying to speculate on, oh, the, if Richard Rodriguez gets close, like the only real winner is like, okay, if Richard, Richard Rodriguez gets traded, who's the closer that comes up behind him? You can maybe play that speculation game if you want, but that's got to be a deep league. That's mm-hmm. like a 15 team move where you don't have any closers to begin with. Right. You're desperate. Yeah. But, you know, 10s and 12 teamers, you really like this kind of thing is just potentially bad news for you. Yeah. One last name I'll just mention that has been rumored in some trade talk is Josh Donaldson, third baseman for the Twins. Supposedly uh, there's been some talk with the Mets about him moving there. Maybe good for him. He gets a clean slate. The only thing with Josh Donaldson, he's been a a bit injury prone calf injuries have kept him out of a lot of games over the past couple of years, but he would be going to a less hitter friendly park, but in the middle of a much better lineup, I think. No, I mean, the twins have a, yeah, I mean, that would, that'd be yeah. a decent move for him again. It's not like they he'd play as often as he'd be healthy enough to play. I mean, I mm-hmm. think the only real downside is that he wouldn't be able to play the white Sox anymore and we wouldn't get any more of that storyline. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, well, we would have, I think later in the year, he, he would play the, the Yankees and you know, he's, he, he has this uh, love hate relationship with uh, Jerry Cole. So you got that. Yeah. Yeah. It's something, it's something, you know, <laughs> add a little drama for the subway series, but otherwise, you know, yeah. I mean, he's another kind of guy that, his issue is always going to be health, not where he plays. He can yes. play anywhere. He hits it hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So uh, wanted to focus in on Independence Day weekend and uh, uh, talk about some players that we are declaring our independence from fantasy-wise. And a good example of a real-life team declaring their independence from a struggling player, uh, Iraman Mercedes. Remember him? He uh, came out of nowhere uh, was hot for a couple of months, but uh, batted 159 for the month of June was sent down to the minor leagues to try to figure some things out. And uh, the White Sox called up uh, their prospect, Jake Berger, who uh, was batting 322, 368, 596 triple slash for uh, the White Sox triple A affiliate of 150 WRC plus. And in his debut on Friday night, two for four with a double played third base with uh, Johan Mancata sidelined temporarily due to a bruised right hand. And, and by the way, Gavin Sheets, who DH on Friday night, hit his second home run of the season. He's another White Sox prospect with a good minor league and college ball pedigree. He could also play first base and outfield. So, you know, at this point, do you think this is a good, you know, we talked about taking a pause there, Scott. It's a good point to say, hey, look, you know, uh, my team is, let's say, in the middle of the standings in my fantasy league. You know, I've almost been automatically putting such and such a player in my lineup almost every day based on his past performance and and name recognition. It's time for me to, you know, figure things out going forward and uh, quote unquote declare my independence from the struggling player. Yeah. I mean, that's at this point, um, you know, you get, you get a little better of a view of like how are guys, you know, what have we learned? We have a better sample size at this point. Again, it's not going to be huge for most players, but we have sample sizes and we also can add a very important context, which isn't that player has been good player has been bad, but more importantly, like, do I need what this player can do when healthy? Right. That's a huge part of this. So, I think the first player I'll talk about is not one we had on our list, but 
it's Miguel Sano, right? So Miguel Sano, mm -hmm. everyone knows what he is. He's this big power masher in the preseason. We have these projections that always tell us that like, oh yeah, 35 home runs, uh, which he's never done. He's gotten close. He got a uh, 34 in 2019. And since then he's actually, that's his only season with at least 30 home runs. He's been playing since 2015. Miguel Sano is a bit injury prone, but the other thing is he strikes out so, so much, right? Like mm. so much to the point that his 10% walk rate still leads to a <laughs> 2.74 OBP, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Miguel Sano could very realistically have a month where he hits like 12 home runs. I'm not going to say he can't. He could very easily, if he plays another 60 games, he's played 60 games at this point. If he plays another 60, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets to 30 home runs by the end of the season. Problem is, do you need that? Do you need 30 home runs? Because let me tell you, you're not getting much else. Like he's a guy that could hit, you know, in 2019, he hit 34 home runs on a better twins team and still didn't get to 80 RBI, right? This is, he is a plus contributor in exactly one category and that's home runs, which is hard to do. Usually you can at least get some RBI out of there, but he crushes your batting average. His OBP is not good. Like we say he's better in OBP mm -hmm. leagues, but really he's still not good. Like he has more, like he has as many seasons with like a sub 320 OBP as he does a good OBP, right? Like he, he doesn't do that very well. So that's the thing. Whether or not, you know, if you're still thinking like, oh, I think you could hit for power, that's not the end of this conversation. If you don't need the power that bad, you're sitting pretty good in your power category. You got other guys who can hit for home runs. Why are you waiting on Miguel Sano? Let someone else get a bunch of 0 for 5 with 3K days in their box score uh waiting mm -hmm. for power they might need that's fine you don't and it's not like another team's going to get a huge rankings advantage by having miguel sano because let's be real he's a one category contributor just one mm -hmm. right so that's the kind of guy that you know are there situations where you might hold miguel sano sure sure you're very low on power like you're you're getting one or two points in a roto league or you're losing home runs every week sure keep an eye out for him you know, 12 team league, but if you're in a 10 team league or you're in a 12 team league and you're doing fine for power, let him go. You, you don't need it. You don't need all the negatives for the one positive that may or may not come. He's already, and he's even losing time a little bit. You know, they're, they've decided they can bench him and let other guys like play first base, right? Kirilov, Larnik, they can all play first base too. So there's so many risks mm -hmm. and so little reward. Those are the guys like, that's really the archetype of what I'm looking for. Guys who just, who only were going to do one or two things for me or who I needed things to break right, and they haven't broken right, or they're not doing those one or two things. Yeah, and it's so easy to get enamored, like you said, with the power, because, you know, power hitters are very streaky. So, I mean, he, let's say, has a week where he's hitting five home runs, and you're like, wow, I mean, he, he did this, and he was on my bench, <laughs> you know, but then you have the other side of it where, you know, for the next four games after he hit those five home runs, like you said, uh, he could go strike out another seven times in, in, in three games or whatnot. And he's batting 190, expected batting average, right, 199. So 37.8 uh, strikeout rate. So that's a very good call there. I, I think you had another name that wasn't on our list. If you want to mention him, why not? Oh, yeah, sure. We'll stay in the NL Central. Let's talk about a guy who's always incredibly divisive. That's Adalberto Mondesi. So here's the thing. While he's played this season, he's been awesome, right? 361 batting average, 378 OBP, 833 slugging. Here's the problem. It's 10 games. Hmm. 10. Then you, no matter how good you are for 10 games, you can't move the needle in fantasy. In mm -hmm. fact, 
he last season he did play 59 of his team's 60 games. That was awesome. But prior to that, he barely plays in two-thirds of games or much, much, much less. Right? He just doesn't play. And you can talk about the skills all you want. But if you are behind in your standings, you have to make a big decision about Mondesi. Right? I'm not saying you have to cut him. I'm saying that you've got two things you can do if you're targeting or rostering Alberto Mondesi. Number one, you take the gamble. Which is if Mondesi is healthy for 50 more games, he's one of fantasy's most valuable players, assuming you have a need for speed, right? If you don't have any need for speed, he's already a guy that you can just like, like that you should trade out to someone who wants to take the risk. Problem is, again, huge risk because if he goes the rest of the season and only plays in 25 more games, which again is more than he played in the first half, it's two times more than he played in the first half, hmm. then he, he never was going to help you. He can help you so little. And someone else may be more willing to take that risk. The other, of course, is find someone else who wants the risk, right? Like if you're behind in stolen bases, there's probably other ways to get them. Is there any guarantee? And this can sound crazy. Is there any guarantee that Alberto Mondesi will steal more bases rest of season than Akil Badu? In the same number of games, that is Mondesi every single time, right? Seven days a week and twice on Sundays. He will steal more bases. But what if he doesn't play? And that's a real conversation that we have to be having. What if he doesn't play? And if he doesn't play, he's not worth like he's not worthwhile to you. And maybe someone else wants the risk. What if you can get a top 100 hitter for Alberto Mondesi? Right? Because he's only a top 100 hitter to you if you need stolen bases. If you don't, he probably is not. If if the stolen bases are superfluous to you, like you're in a head-to-head uh, you're like at a weekly head-to-head categories league where winning steals by five does you no good, right? There's not ranking gains points to have like in Roto uh, or you're already at the top and you've got Whitman, you know, it'd be weird, but if you already had a Whit Merrifield or you've got this collection of guys who are stealing bases for you, let him go. I'm not saying trade him for Akil Badu, which, you know, I would love to be able to tell you. <laughs> you should not do that. What I'm saying is you can replace what he's doing because he's spending most of the time on your IL. And quite frankly, his career suggests that he will continue to spend most of his time on your IL, right? He's injury prone till he isn't. And that one season, he played 60 games and that was great, but I'm not convinced he can like how many, if he plays for five more years, how many more times will he even get to hundred? This is the time to let these injury guys, mm. injury prone guys go. Yeah. You're not going to get what you paid for on draft day. Too bad. You already lost that. That profit is gone. It's not coming back, but you might be able to hedge that risk for something else. Maybe trade it for other risk, like uh, Eugenio Suarez, right? Like trade mm-hmm. it for other risk if you need it. Trade it for something else, but don't don't hold this unless you're really desperate for steals and you don't think you can get them any other way. And also, you're like you're super, uh, you're not at all risk averse. Like you're really aggressive with risk. That's the only reason because this is an extremely risky play. And at this point in the season, I'm usually hedging a lot of those bets. Mm-hmm. On the C on the IL for the third time this season, this time due to a left oblique strain. And he started the season, I think, with a right oblique strain and missed like a month and a half. So he's going to be out for several weeks. And uh, a, a guy to, to take note of is uh, Nicky Lopez, who's been taking uh, his place as the Royals everyday shortstop uh, and has been doing a decent job. You know, I think last time I looked, he had seven stolen bases. 
on the season, had a decent batting average in the 260s. But I agree with you with Mondesi, uh, especially if you could get value for him at this point. So I'd mentioned a few other players on our a rundown and we had spoken about these guys. So I'll just throw them out there and then we could talk individually about different players, but you know, Francisco Lendor, uh, Brandon Lowe, Jorge Soler, uh, Eugenio Suarez. And I was looking at, you know, obviously with a guy like Lindor, I mean, what could you do? I mean, the, the, really what you could do at this stage is basically just bench him because, uh, you know, trying to trade him is very tough. I was looking at some of the trades, you know, at the Yahoo, you could put in a player's name and see recent trades that took place. And I was noticing Francisco Lindor and Jonathan Scope for Robbie Ray. Wow. Francisco Lindor for catcher Wilson Contreras. So basically, you know, you're stuck with this guy at this stage. I mean, you're not going to make a trade like that, right? Where you're getting nothing back. Yeah. So what's tough about him is, so I actually have him in a league where I'm very middle of the pack. My And I'm middle of the pack and I'm overperforming probably my roster. I'm in a league with uh, PitcherList's own John Metzelar. And he's offered me trades for Lindor. A couple fair ones. I wish I could quote exactly what they're a couple decent ones. But the fact is, in that league, where I am in the standings, the only way I make a turnaround in that season is a guy like Lindor breaking out and being Francisco Lindor. I don't have a choice. And again, I was just talking about Mondesi and how you should get rid of him. If there's a league where you are just steals desperate, you're doing great in that league, but you're only getting one point from steals or something like that. In that league, you're you're in a much better position to say, I'll keep Mondesi because if Mondesi plays 50 games, I can move to the middle of the pack in steals. He's that impactful. Francisco Lindor, when clicking, is a top 20, top 25 fantasy hitter, probably better, right? Even if you're pessimistic about him, he's a top 20, top 25 hitter, can do it all, right? Since the beginning of June, he's at least been, you know, the plate discipline's fine, right? 8.8% walk rate, 18.4% strikeout rate since the beginning of June, so it's not like he's just flailing. He's got five home runs and three steals. That's not great, but in, you know, that was just for basically the month of June, so that's pretty good right? Like it's not great, but again, it's not terrible. He's doing some stuff, right? So again, if you're like a middle of the pack team and you think your team's good, but you just like, you need some more impact, he might be a guy that you hold because again, it's not like Mm -hmm. something's obvious. It's not like Mondesi where he's just not playing or Sano where he's just dragging you down so far, right? A 236 Mm -hmm. batting average isn't good. It's not as bad as it used to be, especially in the current environment, right? So he's a guy you can hold. Now, of those names, I think the one that stood out to me was probably uh, Brandon Lau because, yeah, the strikeout rate's still ugly. He hit seven home runs last month. Um, and, hmm. you know, he's got in his last, what is it, one, two, three, four, about 10 games. He's got like five home runs, four home runs in his last 10 games, right? That's the kind of player he is. And again, if you need power and a little bit of speed, you don't care about the batting average. The OBP is going to be fine too, right? 333 OBP, 540 slug last month. He can do that stuff, right? Um, you're probably like probably not quite ready to move on from him yet unless it's a shallow league and I don't need power or any speed. Like a weird scenario there. The thing I would say that I'm not, you know, that I'm not looking at, and this is in your, uh, this is in the write-up for you, for you, Joe. You talked about Jorge Soler in that in his career, he's a much better second half hitter right? Mm -hmm. It's a great point. Mm -hmm. Jorge (laughs) is a much better second half hitter. He's played in half the number of games in the second half compared to the first half, right? Because I'm pretty sure with baseball reference, 
they do first half, second half by all-star break. So there's just fewer games. Mm -hmm. And he's got almost as many home runs in like 180 fewer games, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Like it's insane. Here's the thing. That's really, it's really, really hard to use that as something predictive because there's not a thing that happens at the all-star break. Like, yes, they get a week off. They get to kind of like look at some stuff that's going on, but it's not always predictive. Like, you know, we talk about players that are like, oh yeah, he's a big second half guy. Like that was a big, uh, big storyline for her. Uh, Brian Dozier when he was with the twins. Oh, big second mm-hmm. half guy because he did it twice. He did mm-hmm. it twice. Right. And I'm pretty sure that's the story for Soleil, right? He like, he did it twice. He was really, really good. Second half twice. But, like that doesn't make you a second half guy. Now, if you think that like, again, I don't scout every single player every single day. And if you think that there's a reason that he has a 50 point better batting average and a 150 point better slugging in the second half compared to the first half, make that move, take that risk. That's okay. Like I get to pat myself on the back a little bit. Ryan Mountcastle was struggling really, really badly through April and May. And I Mm -hmm. said, look, I can't tell you there's a scouting thing, but I liked Ryan Mountcastle when I saw him last year. I liked him coming up through the minors. So I did make moves to get him, right? Because like there wasn't something underlying in the numbers that I saw that other people didn't see. Fantasy is a bit about using your gut. I liked liked what he was doing. And it wasn't like he was like showing some new horrible skill, right? That he completely lost. He just wasn't making good contact. And I thought he can do this. And he might not do it for the rest of the season, but since the start of June, he's been fantastic. Right. Yes. Um. Mm-hmm. Like nine home runs in June, just crushing the ball. Right. That doesn't mean I'm some savant. It means that I took a risk based on a player I liked because I'd watched them, I'd scouted them, and I felt it. Right. Akil Badu, another guy. He's. I'm gonna quick pat my back him again. Right. He was really struggling with that strikeout rate, and I said, "Man, I've been watching his at bats, and I can't scientifically tell you, but they look good. He's fighting stuff off. I think there's something there." And then he went and did something. Right. If that's happening for you, make that move and do not care what people in the chat rooms, the Facebook groups, the discord, what oh, yeah. they say about your trade, right yeah. there. It is great to get advice that way, especially mm-hmm. if you think if you're unsure about the trade, but man, if you believe strongly in that player, go get them. If you're going to lose, lose on your terms. Don't lose thinking like, man, I knew I was right about Mountcastle. I knew I was right about Badu, and I didn't do anything about it. That could have saved your season. Make that move. This game is supposed to be fun. And you know, what's really fun. When you make one of those risks and you get it right, that's like the best feeling. Mm-hmm. Like you want to keep talking about Scooble and Badoo because I had a feeling and it, I was right. I might never get this again. You know, I could do this for another 10 years. So I never get anything that right again. And I might not get it right for very long, but I got it right for a little. And if you've got a feeling like that, if you have a feeling about Alec Bohm, because you loved what he did last season, you love what he can do, right? It's been real rough so far this season. Right. You have very little show for it. But if you really think that there that 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 hit tool can come back out, if you really think that those tools are in there and he's something he's close to unlocking it, if you think that I don't, but you might because you might watch him more than I do. Maybe you're a Phillies fan. You've been watching him. If you think that make that move because you'll never have a better opportunity than right now. Don't wait until the expected stats catch up. No one wants to sell then. Nobody wants to trade then trade when. You saw something like those are the best, right? I talked about uh, early, like preseason, you know, everyone was in on, but it was like Kyle Tucker. I was like, man, I watched him last season. The results weren't there, but I loved what I saw falling off top pitches, you know, making adjustments. I loved it. And so I'm in harder, right? I was in more than others. If you're like that with Alec Bohm, you can make that trade right now. Heck, he might be on your waiver wire. 
right? If you think that's Bend coming, go ahead and make that yeah. move. Especially if you're, you know, if you're on the border, or either you're in the lead and you have extra spots, right? That's a great time because you can solidify your spot, or you're kind of in the middle. And you're like, man, I need something. Alec Bohm hasn't been doing it, but you can't wait for that for a guy like Alec Bohm or Glaber Torres to start doing it because once they start doing it, we're all going to talk about it. Every mm-hmm. single one of us, everyone will know. Everybody's got the internet. You can't play fantasy baseball without the internet anymore. Everybody's <laughs> going to know. You got to try to do it beforehand. You can only do that with a little bit of scouting, maybe a little bit of trusting your instincts, or maybe you have like a prospect analyst you trust. Like I, I love Shelly V. She's great. And if she was the one that got me into school bus, you got me into other guys. If she says, I really believe in this guy, I'll take an extra chance, right? Because I believe in that. That's how you do this. Honestly, you can't keep lucking into ads that work out. Like you do burn and churn part of your roster. And that's always important because that's how you get some of this stuff to stick. Yeah. You didn't really know Jake Fraley, but you grabbed him recently. And Hey, look, he's striking out almost as often as he, or he's actually walking more often than he strikes out. And of all rookies with at least hundred plate appearances, he's got the best WRC plus by 40 points. It's nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no one probably had that feel on Jake Fraley, like a 28-year-old rookie, right? So you might have lucked into that ad because you had an extra outfield spot. But Gavin Lux, Alec Bohm, Glaber Torres, these are guys that there's not much to hang your hat on right now except for maybe scouting because you've been watching them like Bohm, Lux. They've had a lot of scouting recently. Or Glaber Torres, you're a big Yankees fan. You've been watching. You think he's close. I don't. But if you do, make the move right now because people are dying to trade you Glaber Torres. They're yeah. dying to right? Um, no, don't trade someone good, right? Like I wouldn't even trade like a Jorge Polanco or a Willie Adamas for Glaber Torres right now because I'm not convinced Glaber Torres is that much better than them. And he hasn't been since the start of 2020. But again, you could probably trade even less than that. Someone you have no confidence in none. If you have no confidence that Willie Adamas continues this, I think you should. But if you don't, people will probably take him instantly auto like auto accept if you offer Willie Adamas and they've got Glaber Torres. That's what this time of year is for. You're about to have a whole week off with nothing else to do. Those trade offers are out there. Get the something player if you believe. We'll tell you about guys whose numbers are suggesting they should be better. But in many cases, that's too late. I talked earlier this season about Dominic Smith and the expected stats were there. Hasn't worked out great and it was already too late. Nobody wanted to trade him because all they had to do was type in Google StatCast Dominic Smith And what they saw was very, very good expected stats. Nobody wants to trade that. You got to do it before then. I wish I could tell you like the easy way to do that, but it's watching these players. Watch them. Watch them. Trust your scouting. Read up on them. Do the research. If you think, wow, there really is something here, go do it. I know this was a long rant, but to me, it's really, really important because that's what makes you different than anyone else who listens to podcasts, reads articles, right? We all can do that. We can all go into our waiver wire and sort by results over the last 15 days. All of us do, right? That is not what will set you apart. You cannot rely on that and luck to set you apart. You need to have something else. That something else is often a feeling, an instinct, something intangible. We don't talk about it a lot because it's intangible. It's hard to put it. It's like, it's hard to get around. Right. But mm-hmm. like me, I'm a guy. Oh, gut I, I'm, feeling, I'm, yes. Yeah. Like I am averse to some players, but I'm in on others and I will lose a lot of those. Like I will lose a lot of that stuff. Right. Like I'm not going to be right on every Akil Badu. Right. It's simply not going to happen, but it was something. And I, and I had it and yeah, I'm gloating. I'm sorry. I'm gloating. Cause I was right. <laughs> and it doesn't happen a lot. 
right? <laughs> but but that's what makes fantasy fun, and it's what makes a difference in your leagues. That difference, that guy you had a feeling about, or maybe you didn't, but you like me. You probably don't, but you like me, and you believed me, right? You thought, well, you know, this guy, I've been listening to him. I think he's got – he made some good points. I'm willing to take a shot, right? I do that with starting pitchers all the time. I'm not good at starting them. But this dude that works here named Nick Pollock is, right, or ESPN celebrity Alex Fast or <laughs> writer Mikey Ahedo, right? Like if they say, like, there's something I really like about this guy, I'm listening extra. And, yeah, it's not in the stats yet, but they're like, oh, man, I'm seeing the way they're spinning. Or a player's been really good. I'm like, oh, I wonder about him. And then I hear them say, like, yeah, here's the thing. I don't think it's sustainable, and here's why. Might not always listen, but I'm, I might not always take the advice, but I'm always listening to it. Sure. Because there's, they might see something I don't. And I might see something they don't. Probably not about pitching, but about hitters. That'll happen. Make those moves. And this is the time. Don't wait for it to start working out first. Don't wait for the numbers to start turning around. Because every time a player's numbers start turning around, what you're going to see on every Reddit message board, every Facebook site, every Discord, it's, oh, he's had a good week. You should try to sell now. You couldn't buy Kyle Schwarber now. And I'll admit I was wrong. I said, he's just a guy. And then he spent like four weeks being the bet, like one of the best hitters on the planet. But now's not the time to sell. Nobody wants to buy at the price you're, you're going to have. Like you will not take anything that people are willing to offer. It's not going to happen. Maybe there's a league out there where someone makes a fair trade for Kyle Schwarber, but that's not what's going to happen. That's not what happens when you hit a bazillion home runs in a week and a half. Right. You had to make that move. If you believed in Schwarber and you thought, man, this guy's power is real. And I, I'm fine with them hitting him lead off. And I think that there's something here. That time was before and it's over now, right? That's when you make the move. When you feel it, make the move because the worst thing to do in this game is kicking yourself because you had a feeling about a player and you were too chicken to do it. I mean, yeah. and that's just me, right? I, I'm not, I'm not trying to get fifth place in every league. That'd be great. If I was that good where I felt like I could always get fifth place. Right. And I'm not saying first, you know, if you're not first, you're last, I'm not Ricky Bobby. <laughs> saying is there's going to be players that like, Hey, I believe in this guy and it's not there yet, but I believe I'm doing it right. You might really like right now, Lamont Wade jr. Leading off for the giants. He's rostered in 4% of leagues. Um, I, I don't see anything particularly special there, but he's been hot, but I also don't watch the giants very much. Cause I'm on the East coast. They play late and they're a scrappy team, but they don't have a ton of reasons for me to tune in. Right? Like, Brandon Crawford's been awesome, but he's not a reason I stay up late, right? So what about him? Like, if there's something about Lamont Wade Jr., like, man, I watch his at-bats. I love the way he fights off pitches. I love the way he lays off the stuff inside. I don't know if he's actually doing that. But if there's something about him, make the ad now. Cut someone who might technically be rated a little better than him. That's okay, right? Because you think there's something special. Because the last thing you want is for a month from now, everyone talking about, too bad you didn't get Lamont Wade Jr. when he was only rostered in 4% of leagues. Like, last time I'll mention Akil Badu, probably, he's still available in 75% of leagues. And if you trust me, which you probably shouldn't, but if you do, he's way more special than that. The things he's been doing are so special. More so than one in four leagues. Right. You might, your particular roster in a 12-team league with three outfielders might not let you do it. But, my God, that's, that's a uncommon situation if this is a five outfielder league he is your fifth outfielder you almost certainly don't have five better maybe you do it's possible but it's unlikely do it he has 10 stolen bases since the beginning of june right like he's been really good 
Is that not good enough? Like, why isn't any more teams make the move now? Don't keep waiting. Don't get you. You've gotten a lot more time than you probably should have. Cause he was good for like a month and a half. <laughs> yeah, Two months really. He's been him, good. Yeah. You talked about it a month ago when yeah, he's still he, been he good. Mm-hmm. You don't usually get this long of an opportunity. And with other players, you won't. If Alec Bohm turns it around, if Gavin Locks turns it around, you will not have a month and a half to wait for the stat line to move. You need to be on it quick. So that's what you're doing right now. That was a long rant, but I'm sorry. It's important. Oh, no, it was good. Good stuff. And, and back to when you were talking about what happens after the All-Star break. You know, why is a player better second half? You brought up a good point, but I will say that, you know, it's the dog days of summer. And, you know, we've been talking about how the early part of the season, you know, pitchers had the upper hand and whatnot and the cold weather. Well, you know, typically we keep on saying that when the warm weather comes, the the, the ball travels farther. So that, that I will say that, you know, sometimes players will do better in the second half, the humidity, the, the, the heat. The, but uh, I guess Solaire isn't a great example. But he might because, be. Yeah. But he might yeah. be. If, if that's a narrative, you believe it. I'm not saying you shouldn't believe in that narrative. There's something mm-hmm. real there. Like, mm-hmm. I'm skeptical. But if you're not, there are few players in the major leagues that are likely available with this kind of power potential. Mm-hmm. Right? There are few. So if that's something you believe in, if you've just been thinking like, man, He's been a little slow. He hasn't been responding well, but you know what? As the weather's warming up, he's getting a little better. If you believe in that, now's the time. Do not wait for him to hit five home runs in 10 days Mm -hmm. because then no one's going to be willing to move him. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you you brought up a a few of the players that were already on our rundown. What about Charlie Blackman? Uh, You talk about, you know, if you have a feeling, go for it. What do you do with Charlie Blackman at this point? basically has lost his power bat, right? 34-year-old guy, 302 lifetime hitter, basically 25 home run, 162-game average in 59 games in 2020, only hit six home runs, but batted 303. Now in 76 games this season, only has four home runs, and his batting average has fallen off big time to 260. Yeah, he's an interesting player. Like I I sort of wonder if you're asking me or the Rockies, because I think we're both going to be equally confused, right? Like we're not really (laughs) sure what to do with them. He's a player right now that, you know, thankfully he plays in Colorado. Because right now, I think what we have to do at this point is, number one, accept that he's made a very meaningful change to his plate approach. And some of it is good, right? He's His walk rate and strikeout rates are both in the teens. That's awesome. Like, I like that. Like, since June 1st, 12.1% walk rate, 16.4% strikeout rate. That's great, right? The problem is, like, it's not a ton of power, right? A little bit lately. You know, he had a, he had a double on Friday. He had a triple on, you know, he had a triple at home against the pirates earlier in the week. Uh, you know, he's turning a little bit into like maybe only started home guy, which is tough considering what the draft day price was. But I think he's still this, right? I think he's still a good batting average guy. I think he's still a good OBP guy. I think he's still really good for both of those things. And that makes him valuable in points leagues. And he's still going to hit in the middle of that lineup. He'll get enough runs in RBI. He's average. You know what he kind of looks like to me right now is like a lesser version of Brian Reynolds, uh, mm. <laughs> which isn't great, right? Because the power's not there. Um, and it is odd, right, that the power's down so far. Like, that's a little surprising to me. Uh, and if you believe in the X stats, right, they believe the power should be much better. X, his X slug on the season is 442. So if you're one of those, you know, there's some evidence that maybe it's some luck. He's not barreling it any less than he did before. 
His hard hit rate isn't any worse than it was before. I'm really just the problem is he keeps pounding balls into the ground, which again, a very real problem, right? So far on the season, 50% ground ball rate. If you believe he can get that ball back in the air, which again, last season, his ground ball rate was great. 36.3%. That's fantastic, right? If you think he can get that ball back up in the air a little bit, all of a sudden, much, much better, right? I think some of the power comes back at least in the form of doubles and triples, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Will he do that? I don't know. But could he, right? If you believe that that's there or you believe he can make that change, which again, a lot of evidence suggests he can. We've never seen him have a ground ball rate, that, ground ball rate this bad since like 2012, right? He can make this better. If you believe he can do that, I think a lot is coming. Now, the question will be, if you don't have him, how much do you trade for him? Because you're trading for a guy who's not been very good and comes with risk. That's not fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and by the end of the season, he even if he turns it around, he's still probably like by end of season, a 15 home run guy. Like he probably doesn't have more than nine or 10 in him. And that's if things really get a lot better. I'm not sure they will, but there's definitely upside here, but it's not just upside with luck. He also needs to start lifting the ball more. So right. if he can make that change, that's great. But that's, that's not as automatic as luck. Luck is nice because we just think, give it time. We don't know how much time, but give it time and it'll happen. With this, you also need the ball to get in the air more. That's more difficult, right? And, you know, like you can do some nice searches on places like Fangraphs to see if that's getting better, right? Like you can use their game log tool. You can go and see, okay, from June 1st to July 2nd, what's the ground ball rate? The game by game isn't super helpful, but you can see during that span, how's the ground ball rate? Like bad news, it's bad, right? 56.8%. It's getting worse, not better, right? Since June 1st. Another thing I'll do after that, okay, how about since June 15th? Bad news. It's even worse, right? 58.7%. The ground ball rate is not currently getting better. Mm-hmm. If you believe it can, now's a good time. Like if you go to us, like even if you just look at like since last Tuesday, it's still like 48%. It's not good. We're not seeing the signs we want to see, but maybe that's something you keep a close eye on, right? And say, okay, hey, 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 it's been two weeks and it's better, right? You want to see that ground ball rate for him closer to like 40%, not 50 at 50, mm-hmm. he's not going to be successful. So that's what you're watching. And if that starts, if you see just little hints, right, just little hints, then you can make the move. Don't wait for it to be better for a whole month. But if you're like, wow, a week or two, and it's not just at home, it's gotten better, let's do it. There's something there. That's what I'm looking for for him. I think otherwise you're kind of stuck holding him because his upside probably a lot better once on the wire, except for maybe like a 10-teamer. And a 10-teamer it's starting to look like he might not be a top 50 outfielder rest of season, in which case you can cut him and he'll probably get picked up quickly, but it might not be a big deal. Yeah. And uh, talking about lift rate is a good segue into the next guy. I just wanted to bring up whether or not we should uh, declare him independence from uh, an Eric Hosmer and 2020, very good season for him, hit nine home runs in 38 games, batted 287. Uh, had adjusted his approach at the plate, had an 8.7 launch angle, which is way above his career 3.1 rate, uh, and obviously uh, contributed to his uptick in his home run rate. This season, launch angle is is back down to uh, 2.7. So you talk about lift rate, uh, and, and Eric Hosmer is a poster boy for it. Yeah, he is. So here's the thing with Eric Hosmer. When you look at just season-long totals, it looks like 2020 was something really special, right? 
You look at the rates, you're like, man, he was so much better. This is where I love to point to my favorite tool, and that's the rolling chart. When you look at the rolling chart for Eric Hosmer, which I encourage you to do, it looks like nothing different than what we've ever seen before. It looks the same. The problem is it's just so small, right? Um, when you look at that, it's like, oh, wow, it's all up. And it almost never comes down because it didn't have time, right? Players have these up and down cycles and Eric Hosmer does too. And if you look at his rolling chart, you see a lot of the bands are the same, right? It wasn't a new high. His expected Woba, like his, his 50 plate appearance rolling expected Woba never hit a new high, right? Like the only nice thing was that he didn't have any deep lows yet. And actually he still hasn't. So one nice thing to say is, the thing is, it's all become a lot tighter. Like he used to be a lot more up and down. Now everything's a lot tighter, which basically suggests that like he's more consistent. The problem is like it's consistent in the middle, which isn't very good. Mm-hmm. And the launch angle is another interesting thing because number one, average launch angle is a very limited tool, right? And if you go to, again, if you go and look at the rolling stat, you can do a rolling stat on StatCast for his average launch angle. And you would think by the season long number that there's some big spike, Right. Let me tell you, his 50 batted ball rolling launch angle was never above league average at any point. It wasn't even as high as it had been in 2015 or 2017. It was like a little better than it had been in 2019. And it dipped a little, but it was a nice small dip. And then it came back up. And then in start of 2021, he had his normal dip. And now it's back up to like its normal rate. Basically, what I'm saying is 2020 was a small sample. You already know that thing was, we didn't see anything different. We saw nothing new in a guy who has a very, very long career. Like he has more than 2000. He has nearly 3000 batted balls in his career. Right. And we didn't see anything different. It was the same. It was just a small slice. I could make a better slice of that size in other points in his career. The thing was, we just saw a normal kind of, you know, hundred something batted ball time, which is cool, but nothing special. Use the rolling charts. See if guys are doing something special. When when you see someone having a career year, what are they doing anything special? Or is this just like a normal high? And that's just all we happen to be seeing right now. What mm-hmm. I want to see is what happens. A guy's up high. I want to see what happens. They come down. Then what? Then what happens? Does it fix? Right? Does it change? Is there is there like a is there like a meaningful thing that happens after that? Do they get out of the slump? And Eric Hosmer did like he had a little high point and it went down and then he went back to being what he's always been, which is fine. It's a fringy corner infielder in mixed leagues. Mm-hmm. That's what he's always been. That's what he is now. Right. Like maybe a little more upside because if he goes on another hot streak, he he hits for a Padres team close to the middle of the order and they got a lot of hitters. And so there might be a couple more counting stats, but otherwise he's, he's still just Eric Hosmer and he was in 2020. We just got a nut. Like we got, an up instead of a down from him for those 60 mm-hmm. games. And some yeah. players look real bad in 2020 or better now. Why? Because we just saw a down, a 60 game down instead of a 60 game up. It's normal. It's all normal. Would you want a guy like a Jesus Aguiar or a Nate Lowe? Uh, Aguiar, 263, 12 homers, 51 RBI. Nate Lowe, 263, 12 homers, 43 RBI. Over Hosmer at this stage? I mean, I think the the real question there is like, so the first point I'll make is all these guys are kind of the same in 10 and 12 to 10 and 12 team leagues. They're fringy corner infielders, right? What's the difference? Aguiar and low have more power. Mm-hmm. There's real power there. And if I'm short on power and I don't care about batting average as much, right? Like I think low has the, the most power, 
And so if I'm really behind on power, I'm willing to take that shot, right? It's about to get hot in Texas. It's going to be a better place to hit. It's never going to be as good as it used to be, but it's going to be a better place to hit. I think you can make that move, right? You'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll make that move because I need the power. And these guys are fringy anyway, right? And maybe that other that other manager is just like, oh yeah, I need batting average more than I need power. And Hosmer's a much safer batting average bet. So let's do it. Let's make the swap. Aguiar, I probably like a little better because he's like a better mix. His plate discipline is just like less volatile. He's hitting 260. Even if he only hits 250 the rest of the way, that's still probably better or low. And it's not quite as much power, but there's still plenty there, right? So, you know, he could be a 25 home run guy and that's better than what Hosmer's going to be. And yeah, I'm willing to make the move, but not because I necessarily think there's something so much better there. It's because it's just going to meet my needs a little better than Hosmer will. And Mm -hmm. I don't need to, like we mentioned this earlier in the podcast, I don't need to just compare the two players anymore. I need to compare them, the two players, and how they fit my needs, right? If it's just batting average and I have good batting average, then the reason Hosmer's better than these guys is probably batting average upside, and I don't even need it. So he's no longer as useful as like the, you know, as like a player rater will say they are because player raters and auction calculators, they presume these sort of equal playing fields. You don't have that anymore. You're half the season in. You've got stats. Mm-hmm. So when you look, if you pull up a player rater or preferably an auction calculator, like the one they have on Rasball, like the, like the one they have on Fangraphs, don't just look at the final number at the end. Look at how they get to that total. Okay, this guy's worth $12 rest of the season. Oh, but look, five of it's coming from stolen bases, and I don't give a crap about those. They're valuable to someone else. So like, don't disregard them in trade talks, but you can sort of disregard them when it comes to evaluating what you need for your own team. That player is not worth $12 to you. They're worth closer to like eight, right? So maybe you trade them for a $12 player who's worth more than that to you or a player who is worth $12 to you. The player is worth $12 in a vacuum, but we're not in a vacuum anymore. We're halfway through the season. It's a great way to try to get a slight leg up on the other managers because they're going to ask like, did I lose this trade? Well, in a vacuum, no. Right, you might even gotten something a little better. You got a thirteen dollar play, like you got a thirteen dollar player for a twelve dollar player, but it's pretty close. And again, for you, you weren't trading a twelve dollar player. You were trading a guy that's only worth eight dollars to you for a guy that's mm-hmm. worth twelve. You won, as far as you're concerned. Don't it doesn't matter if they get something out of it too, because you're probably getting more. You're getting more value. So so do it. I would absolutely make one of those moves if that's what I needed. But it's very contextual. Well, we can no longer like early in the season we could talk about trades in these little vacuums. At this point, we cannot. We cannot just talk about things in a vacuum. Your team context always comes into play, and that's what makes these conversations actually more interesting. Because mm-hmm. it's not just this guy's better than that guy. I rated him 10th and him 13th, so give me the 10. Those don't matter anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'll ask you one last one. And kind of wondering what to do with Grichik at this point. So if, if your team needs something and you think that Grichik might have some appeal to other players in your league, with Springer coming back, Grichik has actually still been in the lineup. But do you feel that it might be time to put him on the block? Yeah, before? if someone's buying. Yeah. Absolutely, if yeah. someone's buying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that hot streak is over. And guess what? He turned back into Randall Grichik, right? A guy mm-hmm. with 30-ish home run power mm-hmm. and an okay batting average and a bad OBP, right? Like, that's what Randall Grichik has been for a long time. And it's what he continues to be. And mm-hmm. like, yes, it's really cool what we've seen for like what we saw from him to start the season. And it really helped the Blue Jays in a time that they needed it badly. But Randall Grychuk did not suddenly become someone different. Like 
He goes through these hot streaks all the time. And here he is again, right? Like his 262 batting average is probably coming down a bit. It's been a little better the last two seasons. A lot of that is a big improvement in his strikeout rate, which seems to have stuck around, right? He's still only striking out like 22% of the time instead of what used to be 30 and then came down to 26. It's been nice growth, but he's still just like a 30 home run guy with like a 250 to 260 batting average, probably maybe a little better if you're rosy around him, but he's, you know, he bats towards the bottom of this lineup, which isn't, you know, which is still fine, right? Like batting behind Teoscar Hernandez and Kevin Biggio is still a decent place to be, right? But it's not as useful as it was like, as it was when he was in the middle of that lineup. And if you don't really need the power and okay batting average, and you'd rather trade it for maybe speed and better batting average, or, you know, someone who maybe hits closer to the middle or middle of an order, but you need more RBI. Like those are the kinds of moves you can do because to me, Gretchik is, is, you know, especially in a 10 or 12 team or like, he's kind of going back to just being a guy who's fine, but mm-hmm. he's a, you know, third to fifth outfielder depending on where he's batting in the lineup and if he ever starts sitting they don't really need to right now because like my big fear in the preseason was that a guy like Rowdy Telez was going to force Grychuk into like a part-time playing situation but mm-hmm. Telez has this weird uh like reverse split and he's not even on the big league club right now uh so I don't really know what to make of him and they don't have like a lefty right now who could take time from him but I'll say this if the Blue Jays go and get a lefty, which there, there's some rumors that they might go try to do, right? If they go get a lefty, the person that's probably going to hurt the most from it is a Randall Grychuk because they're probably going to get a lefty outfielder and he's the one who's most obvious to platoon. Him mm-hmm. and to some extent, Lords Gurriel Jr., right? So that could be a concern. But yeah, I'd trade him if someone still thinks that he's like better than what Randall Grychuk has always been. All right, I'll ask you one last one and we'll go. Keston Hura, 36. Yeah, 36.8 K rate overall since he's come back uh, June 23rd. Lowered that K rate to 24.3. Very small sample size, I'll, I'll give you that much. But three home runs, 12 RBI. I think it's 10 games since he's come back. You take a chance on him? There are leagues where I have done that. And mm-hmm. it's not because I truly believe something has changed. Because I haven't seen enough to really believe that something has changed. Right? And he kind of keeps proving that not much has changed. But there is upside here that other players don't have. Mm-hmm. We've seen in small samples him be excellent, right? Um, we've also seen him be like not so great, but in terms of power, like power speed combo, he could very well go the rest of the season and hit like 12 home runs rest of the season, steal like five to six bases. That's real. Like that's a real thing that could happen. And yeah, it'll probably come with a bad batting average and an ugly strikeout rate. But right now the Brewers don't really have any choice, but to play him right injuries and, you know, lack of performance by other players have simply made it. So they have to play him. There's only 24 adjustments can be made. I'd love to see him make like this Badoo type change. I just don't see it happening. Cause we don't see that happen. Like ever the people not named to kill Badoo, but uh, <laughs> because I, I couldn't, res- I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. I had to talk about it again, uh, but again, it's a risk-based play. It's not something I'm going out and trying to like trade for, but he's been cut in a lot of leagues and especially in deeper ones. If I'm in like a 12 teamer that requires a corner and middle and he's eligible at first, and second base, uh, or like, especially like a 15 teamer, if he's been let go and I'm desperate, I need power. I need a little bit of speed and I'm willing to accept the batting average warts. Again, one of these guys that if, if you've got any kind of belief, go for it. There's his upside is not generally available, right? Mm-hmm. Will it, could it, 
fizzle out? Sure. But what's that? Like, if you're in eighth place, you know, what, what are you going to do? Drop to ninth, right? If he's good, he could really raise you up. He's got mm-hmm. that kind of talent. And you can't keep waiting around for too long, right? It's hard to move that much more in the standings at this point in the season. It can be done. But a lot of times it's because you took risks like this. I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying you might be desperate. You might have a big old hole in middle and corner infield in a team that's like in a league that's like at least 12 teams, probably better off if you're 15. You can make that move and see what happens. Again, if you don't have a roster spot, you don't have anyone you feel like cutting for him, don't worry about it. But it could be a really nice risk reward move if you're in that position. If you're in first, again, it's another situation where you can think about it. Like, hey, I've got the extra bench spot. You know, someone hit the IL. Maybe I grab him, put him on my bench, see what happens. Because I can go from first to lockdown first. Mm-hmm, I'm all about mm-hmm. that too. But, you know, if you're struggling, you know, in your league or, you know, you've got that extra bench spot, I can't think of a lot of players that I'd rather wait and see on, right? Again, if you need your whole bench right now, don't worry about it. But if you've got an extra bench spot, not a whole lot of like more upside plays than this for players that are actually available. All right. Awesome stuff from Scott this week. Great analysis as always. And want to thank you for allowing us to visit with you. We hope you were informed and entertained because of course that's our goal and follow me on Twitter at Joe Galena. Follow Scott at if the chew fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. And if there's anything specific that you'd like us to cover on any uh, podcast that uh, we do in the future, please let us know. And you could follow at Pitcherless Pods, and you'll be informed anytime a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts featured on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.